Today's episode of the WAC Podcast is brought to you by Hercules Tires, the official tire of the Western Athletic Conference. Now here are your hosts, Eric Danner and Rachel Vigil. Welcome into the WAC Podcast. Eric Danner and Rachel Vigil here with you talking all things WAC sports. And boy, do we have a lot going on this time of year. I know basketball has ended, Eric, but unfortunately... When we recorded last week's podcast, we didn't have confirmed news about the passing of Oscar Freire, but GCU has come out and said a uh, 23-year-old Oscar Freire who plays for their men's basketball team has passed away, unfortunately. Tragic news. And, you know, the second time in, a, in about a month, you know, mm-hmm. the WAC family has, has had to deal with a major tragedy in, in men's basketball. Of course, Lou Hill passing away at UTRGV unexpectedly, and then Oscar Freire in a car accident in, uh, in the San Francisco area. Of course, he's from Oakland, uh, was set to graduate in April. Uh, so just, just truly tragic. His sister was also in the vehicle with him. Last I saw, they did not identify the third person who was also with uh, Oscar and his sister, but just tragic news, Rachel. And we're gonna have more on that with uh, Paul Cora on our ne- next segment. Yeah, and actually I did see an article. Um, it was an individual from Alaska. I believe mm-hmm. it was Anchorage, Alaska. Um, that was also in the car with them. So prayers to the entire Frere um, family. I know that his sister had quite a few kids too. So prayers out to them mm-hmm. and also the entire GCU family. Um, the wax sends our condolences there. But Eric, I know you're about to set out on some travels <laughs> yourself. You're headed to Orem, Utah for the volleyball tournament this week. Whack volleyball tournament this week. It's one of those things, Rachel, we're just going to be cranking out the championships here the next uh, couple of months. So the volleyball tournament this week in Orem, the same place it was our last volleyball tournament, New Mexico State, the top seed. Uh, We're going to talk to Mike Jordan in our third segment today as the Aggies won the regular season championship and actually had their best winning percentage in the regular season ever. Uh, So hats off to New Mexico State in the season they had. The two and three seeds are Grand Canyon and Utah Valley. They played each other last week, Rachel, and they split. So if that's any sign of things to come, they'll match up in the semifinals. Should be a fun one. New Mexico State will play the winner of UTRGV and Chicago State. They will play on Thursday in Chicago State's first time in the WAC Volleyball Tournament. And they did take a set from uh, New Mexico State, the Mighty Aggies, uh, this past week as well. So that could be a fun match as well, the winner of that to play the Aggies in the semis. It'll be really exciting. I know lots of good matches coming our way. Uh, you can tune in on ESPN Plus, everybody. So make sure and look forward to that. And if you want any of the details, they are on the Wax Sports website as well. And Eric, we're actually celebrating the one-year anniversary of our podcast. Hard to believe. Yeah, March 31st was the first WAC podcast last year. And Rachel, about this time last year, I think we we're kind of scrambling, trying to figure out what we need to do to keep the uh, whack news flowing. And that seemed to be a pretty good uh, fit in terms of, you know, we could do it from home because at, at that time, of course, you know, COVID was, was uh, taking shape around the country and we're staying at home. And uh, of course, we're still staying at home to a certain extent right now. But yeah, it's been a year. We, we've had uh, many, many episodes in the past year. So it's been a lot of fun to, you know, talk to different people around the league and different, you know, coaches and administrators and uh, sports information directors, players. Uh, it, we, we've had the, the gamma. We've had alumni on the show as well. So it's been a, a very fun year doing this WAC podcast. 
It has, and it's been very casual conversations too. And, you know, being able to hit on some hard topics, but also some fun topics here and there too. So a lot of fun doing this WAC podcast with you, Eric. I've been very appreciative this past year and getting to work more with you. So it's been a ton of fun. I still can't believe that one year, that's just crazy for me to think about. Uh, Moving forward with football now though. So you're supposed to start football next summer, but we're actually starting it this year. And we named the coordinator of officials. We did. The coordinator of officials will be Carl Richens. He's currently the coordinator of officials for the Big Sky Conference. He's got a a long resume, Rachel, and I know it was a very exhaustive uh, process to identify someone for that position. And a lot of people were interested in that job as uh, what the WAC's bringing football back. And you look at some of the uh, coordinators over the years, there are some legendary names, including Mike Pereira, who you see on Fox uh, NFL games now as he was the head NFL official. He was a WAC coordinator at one point in time. So uh, a very coveted position. And uh, we look forward to working with uh, Carl as the uh, season begins. And well, I guess the season will begin in August, but uh, the uh, practices and everything uh, set to begin in July. That is just crazy for me to wrap my head around. Football is back in the WAC. I am so excited. But before we even get thinking about football, Let's also go back to men's soccer and women's soccer. We've got their championships here in two weeks. And for men's soccer, GCU undefeated still. Yeah, the other kind of football, Rachel, uh, the <laughs> football, Grand Canyon, and they're they're ranked in the top 20 now. So they're uh, definitely playing well. Shellis Heinemann, we talked a little bit about last week. This is his final year coaching after 40 years as a head coach at both the collegiate and professional levels. And they seem to be sending him out with a bang. They get a five to one win over Dixie State. Now they they finish uh, with a bang too. They get to play Seattle U and UNLV. So those should be two uh, pretty tough matchups, two tough places to play. Rachel, for men's soccer, the point total will determine the seedings for the WAC tournament. Of course, California Baptist will not be eligible this year or Dixie State, but the number of wins is the biggie. And right now, Grand Canyon with those six wins in first place. But look at second place, UTRGV at 4-0-2. They defeat Air Force. Now, keep in mind, Air Force and Seattle U have won the, the conference championship, I believe, the last five, six years in a row. One of those two schools has. And UTRGV now has wins over both teams and uh, under first-year head coach Brahim Hancock. So you talk about a you know, a coach from, you know, his 40th year and Shella Simon to Brian Hancock has been a coach for a while, but his first year at UTRGV doing a heck of a job. And only six teams, keep that in mind, go to the WAC tournament this year. The previous years, it was seven. So paired down to six. So there's going to be a lot of uh, jockeying for those last few positions. Yeah, it's going to be absolutely crazy coming up here in just two short weeks for both men's and women's, like I mentioned earlier, men's being in Las Vegas, women's being in Phoenix. It's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait. And you mentioned Shells Hyman, who is retiring after this year. Well, the WAC's actually losing another head coach and head coach Greg Moss from Utah Valley. He is pursuing another career opportunity. So congratulations to him. And he will definitely be missed here in the WAC. Yeah, stepping down, you know, right now. So uh, in the I wouldn't say the middle of the season, but towards the end of the season here, which is a little bit unusual uh, in terms of, you know, they're, they're, I thought, in pretty good shape uh, heading into the WAC tournament. But, yeah, uh, pursuing other uh, job. And then uh, uh, his son, I believe, still on the team as well, Rachel. So Utah Valley, that'll be interesting to see how they uh, react to this. And I know they have an interim head coach name. So the Wolverines uh, with the change here uh, right, right at the end of the season. 
Yes, and we'll definitely keep everybody updated if we find out what Coach Moss will be doing in his near future there as well. And women's soccer, Eric, I mentioned you're headed out to Phoenix here in just a few short weeks. CBU 8-2-1, and one, although they're not eligible to play. California Baptist certainly making a name for themselves in their third year in the WAC. Last week, we had Jared Olson, the women's basketball coach. They went 26-1, and one, went to the WNIT. Uh, they were eligible for the WAC tournament. They aren't in the, in the other sports here, so... For women's soccer, men's soccer, they are not eligible for the tournament, but the women's soccer team right now in first place in the regular season standing, so they can win the regular season championship. And what a uh, what an athletic program they're having, at uh, what a year they're having at CBU, Rachel. I know, and then you look at baseball too, they're 8-0 in the WAC so far. <laughs> it's unbelievable, and they have John Glenn as, as a player of the week, and they go Eight no, so two sweeps. That's tough to do because you, you know, as you know, Rachel, you have different pitchers for every game. Sometimes somebody has a rough outing, so to to go four and zero oh in two whack series is really impressive. The and then uh, Sacramento State is right up there with them in baseball. They did lose to Dixie after winning eight in a row to Mexico State Grand Canyon right behind them. What this all means, Rachel, is we're going to have a heck of a whack tournament in Mesa towards the end of May around Memorial Day there. And uh, Seattle U hosting New Mexico State. They had some weather on Sunday, so they're playing on Monday as we record this. And then uh, Stanford, this was a late ad as well, Rachel. They will be visiting Sacramento State on Monday as well. So that, that's a pretty good get for the Hornets to get the Cardinal to come visit them at uh, Sacramento State. Yeah, no kidding. And then you also look at softball. They started conference play this past week. Grand Canyon, they went 3-0 and against Utah Valley. They did. Grand Canyon uh, looking pretty good. And so we're, we're in conference playing baseball, conference playing softball, conference playing men's soccer, conference playing women's soccer, volleyball tournament. The WAC women's golf tournament's going to be coming up in about three weeks. The WAC men's golf tournament is a week after that. We got the WAC <laughs> tennis tournaments happening at the end of April as well. So we have a lot going on, even though basketball is now uh, officially over, Rachel. It, uh, there's still plenty to watch. And uh, again, I think... If you turn on the WAC Digital Network, pretty much at any time during the week, you're going to find something. Another big storyline, Eric, that we didn't mention earlier on in the show is that UTRG filled the head coaching role after the passing of Blue Hill. Matt Figure comes over from Austin P. Uh, very quickly, you know, they, they had to hire a, a new head coach uh, with the passing of Blue Hill. I mean, this wasn't, a, a, I'm sure, on their radar at the time, but they find a very quality head coach in four years at Austin P. was 76 and 51 and was 49 and 25 in the Ohio Valley Conference. So we want to welcome Coach Figure and wish him well. Condolences to Lou Hill's family still and the entire UTRGB community, but excited for this ne next chapter under head coach Matt Figure. Excited for them to get this season rolling. Very excited for that, uh, Rachel. And coming up next, we're going to have Paul Coro from uh, Grand Canyon University. We've had him on the show before. He's an analyst. He's a writer. He uh, actually did a, a few pieces on Oscar Freer over the years and uh, has some interesting perspective on the life of Oscar Freer. We'll talk to Paul Coro coming up after the break. Hercules Tires is the official tire of the Western Athletic Conference and for over 65 years has been providing tires with unbeatable quality at an unmatched value. Whatever the vehicle and whatever the terrain, Hercules Tires invites you to ride on our strength. For a retailer near you, visit HerculesTires.com. And welcome back to the WAC Podcast. Eric Danner, Rachel Beal, and Paul Coro, the writer for GCU. Paul, how are you? Great. How are you guys doing? Good. I actually feel like I kind of just like 
butched your name because I feel like you're a man of many traits at GCU. <laughs> it's all right. I never know what to quite describe my job as. It's <laughs> multimedia, I guess. Well, we're happy to have you on. We're happy to have you on, but unfortunately, while you're on, you're talking a little bit about a sudden death of Oscar for GCU men's basketball player, but you had a chance to really get to know him. I want you to share a little bit of light on him for maybe people who didn't have an opportunity to have a conversation with him. Wow, it's 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 really hard to sum up a life like that. Um, he touched so many people at GCU, uh, far beyond basketball. He was... You know, we, we think he was probably the most well-known, well-liked student on campus, uh, not just because he was a basketball star, but because of the way he carried himself. Uh, he had an ever-present smile. Uh, every room's spirit went up the moment he walked in. Uh, the practice picked up when he was in it. If he was injured, practice wasn't as lively. It just, that's just the way it was with or without him. Um, but he was also a guy that, uh, engaged uh, with people on campus and you know we're I just heard a story the other day about how he made it a practice of sitting down and having lunch with food service workers in the student union and, and I was just like nobody knew this like he just did this on his own uh, you know just that's the type of person he was he connected with everybody and uh, you know the security guards in the arena are were, were crushed because they developed relationships in the hallway with them. And um, I mean, there's just so many incredible heartbreaking layers to this because of the way his last year had gone and how he had really uh, made a self-awareness to do a 180 on his life and uh, had finished his studies. And he was, he had already finished uh, his degree and was going to walk next month. And uh, he wanted to do that to be a role model for his nephews uh, who unfortunately lost their mom in the accident too because his sister and his friend also also died. Paul, uh, so much tragedy in that story. And, uh, we, you know, we've gone through some tragedy here in the WAC, you know, with the passing of Lou Hill uh, just under two months ago now. And, and now Oscar in this uh, terrible car accident. And we had Michael Potter on uh, a few weeks ago, uh, right before the NCAA tournament, we talked a little bit about, you know, Bryce Drew and, and his first recruiting job uh, being the guys uh, that were already on the team that came back and among them, uh, Oscar Freire. And he also mentioned, you know, how he did a 180 on his life and he's, he's due to graduate. What, uh, what was it about Oscar that I, I know you talked to him many times that kept him at uh, GCU rather than transferring or maybe doing something else? Well, I mean, first give a ton of credit to Bryce Drew as a, as a new coach and a, and a player he didn't know to to bring him back into the program with open arms and support him and, and lift him up. Uh, he did a lot of things for him. Uh, you know, Oscar talked about on senior night that Bryce Drew brought him in before the game and prayed for him. And um, there was lots of things, you know, Oscar off the court was, you know, asking to lead the prayer after games and, you know, just lots of touch points. Um, in that way too uh, but he he wanted to come back to GCU because he called it home and uh, that sounds like a exaggerated term maybe but when you think about it he spent his whole adulthood at GCU uh, you know from 18 to 23 so uh, you know once he got over you know that basketball was kind of missing from his life 
And unfortunately, basketball was the thing that helped him when he lost his father when he was seven in a also in a car accident, which is the cruel irony of this all that his mom has to go through this twice with her husband and then her son and daughter. And but Oscar filled that void a lot with basketball and went to his mom at nine and asked to join a league and did it urgently and found found a kind of a cathartic way to get through it. And uh, so when it came time that he didn't have basketball again, uh, that didn't feel right to him. And Bryce, one of the first things Bryce Drew did once he got the job almost exactly a year ago was uh, call Oscar and welcome him back to the program. And Oscar Freire had to do a lot. Uh, he, he had to really crack down on his studies uh, to be eligible. And then he had to get in shape because you think about being away from basketball for a whole year out of, out of practice, out of conditioning. Um, and then to do all that and be a starter again and help the team to its first ever NCAA tournament and the WAC championship. Uh, I mean, we're all never going to forget those moments of the last couple of weeks of his life because he was so happy. He was floating around, you know, got his piece of the net tied in his hat, smiling all the time, just bouncing around. Not that he didn't bounce around all the time, but he was really uh, so happy. And and, and the grad, graduating part made him happy too. Sean Pryor is the basketball director of student athlete development. He would say to him, you got me that paper, you know, because he was just so proud of that. After the NCAA tournament game against Iowa, did you have an opportunity to sit down and talk with him? Now, unfortunately, because of the tears with the bubble, the radio, uh, we were doing radio, Michael Potter and I, so we were um, kept from being in that same group. So all I saw was from afar, but, you know, I, I kept a keen eye on how they left the court that day. And, and uh, you know, they, they left reluctantly. They had so many uh, students that had, uh, GCU had flown in for the game and other supporters so there was hundreds of people up in that one corner of the arena and you know Oscar was one of the people going over and pointing to him and you know making a heart with his hands to him and uh, you know you could tell he didn't want to leave and then his tweet like immediately after that day uh, that that's so special for everybody to have and see that he shared those thoughts about uh, that he bleeds purple and uh, GCU forever and you know it just it's really poignant um, and all the unbelievable tributes that have happened, you know, sports center, CBS pregame show, um, the GoFundMe page that his high school coaches organized for his mother, Bianca Sparrow and the family uh, and what it's raised and the people have contributed a couple of NBA guys, Marquise, Chris, Jalen Brown, uh, Jalen Brown, who hosted him on his co college visit at Cal and, Marquise Chris was friends of a couple of GCU players. So um, it's just amazing. Uh, and the local outpouring has been tremendous. Uh, the coverage uh, has been really touching and respectful uh, because there was a couple of days that were really hard there and uh, they were all very respectful. Yeah, such a tough time, I'm sure, on campus there, Paul. And, you know, we, we heard, uh, we saw on Twitter, you know, last week that there were reports of this, you know, wasn't confirmed until a few days later. And, you know, you just kept your fingers crossed. Maybe it was something erroneous, but unfortunately uh, it was true about Oscar and, and his sister and, and another person in that vehicle uh, losing their lives in the accident. I know on campus, Paul, or in that area, there's been a lot of tributes 
uh, going on to Oscar. And I think you've had an opportunity to, uh, to attend some of those. Yeah, just on uh, Saturday, uh, some students organized a uh, balloon release uh, where they dozens of white balloons. They met at a, at a park that's right by campus. And, um, you know, there was a couple hundred people there, including the players uh, and a lot of people close to Oscar, past players too. You know, Carlos Johnson, Keontae Vernon were there. And, uh, you know, some people spoke, like Carlos Johnson said some words and uh, Gabe McLaughlin kind of led everybody uh, to the point where, you know, the team did their their usual Lord's Prayer together. And then uh, everybody wrote messages on white balloons and released them. And they just happened to float right over campus. It was almost perfect the way it happened. And everybody just stood there in silence, kind of watching them. And I mean, it's eerie, but maybe it's just in what you see, but it, it sure seemed like the balloons started to make a four in the sky. It was crazy. Eric mentioned a lot of tributes on social media too. and. I feel like social media can definitely be a double-edged sword, right? We kind of all found out about this news via social media. And then you later find out so many different touching stories from different individuals. Are there any that you have been able to read that really just like touched on who Oscar was? Yeah, I mean, I think you start to see some of the player tributes about what, how much he was leading the team behind the scenes that nobody really knew. Um, because he was a senior and uh, all this meant to him. And he had so much more perspective and appreciation for it, for what he had gone through. And so he was, he was doing a lot behind the scenes um, and his path was inspiring players to see him uh, go through it and be outward with it. And, you know, he, he treated everybody with the same, same smile, same joy. He had this charismatic magnetic personality that just, made everybody feel close to him. You know, every time I saw him, you know, I didn't have to approach him. He was, <laughs> he was already saying IP to me. Uh, and he was just that kind of guy, you know, he wasn't looking, he was a perfect team player too. Cause he, he, he wasn't worried about shots. He played a role. He played a, a heavily defensive role, uh, which doesn't get a lot of fanfare, but you know, his career division one uh, GCU record and blocks came within one of the steals record uh, had got all defensive team in the past in the WAC. So um, he just embraced those kind of things without anybody knowing. Well, Paul, we want to thank you for taking some time out. Obviously, a very tough time there at Grand Canyon University and, and sharing your perspective on, on the life of Oscar Ferrer. Thank you. And we appreciate everybody who's uh, reached out to GCU. And if anybody really wants to get a feel of what his uh, – personality was like there's a G gcu videographer jake jackson did an incredible job of capturing him in a video that's on the gcu youtube channel and it's been viewed a million plus times on social media it's crazy it'll make you smile and cry all at once well we appreciate it paul and uh best of luck uh to, to you and the gcu family as you guys move forward all right thank you all all right that's paul Coral. coming up next uh, we have the white volleyball tournament Coming up this week, we're going to talk to Mike Jordan from New Mexico State. You're listening to the WAC Podcast. We would like to thank our sponsors of the WAC Podcast, Hercules Tires and Adidas. Now, back to Eric and Rachel. Welcome back to the WAC Podcast. Excited to have Mike Jordan, the head coach for New Mexico State Volleyball, on with us. Coach, how are you? I'm good, Rachel. Thanks. 
Good. I'm so happy to hear that. Coach, obviously the volleyball tournament coming up this past weekend, but let's talk a little bit about this season. I saw a few interesting stats when I was looking up the team today and you're number one in assists per set in the nation, in the NCAA, and number two in kills per set. What has allowed you to get that done this season? <laughs> well, we uh, we pass the volleyball pretty well most of the time, and we've got a lot of really good arms. Um, uh, I've been impressed with offensively what we've been able to do over the course of this season, obviously, especially given the fact that uh, we didn't have a whole lot of practice time. Um, and uh, yeah, it's been a really good year in a lot of ways. I mean, I think it's the strength of our team certainly is our ability to, uh, to generate points offensively. And um, we've done a really good job of that. Coach Jordan, uh, Rachel and I were talking earlier in the show. This is the one year anniversary of the WAC podcast. And obviously it, it was created during the pandemic and we had to kind of adapt to the times and what was gonna be happening. I don't think we thought a year ago that in the fall, the fall sports would not be happening in the fall, that they would be happening in the spring. And as a coach, I mean, how did you adjust to that <laughs> in terms of having the, the fall season in the spring? Yeah, it was, uh, Eric, it was very difficult um, with our state in particular being comp almost completely shut down from uh, late October. We didn't have a team practice uh, I think in, after October 7th or something like that, uh, we went in groups of five for a little bit. And then in all of November, all of December, the beginning part of January, we were completely shut down. Um, so it was a difficult adjustment. You, and it's not just the practice, mispractice time, it's the strength and conditioning. We missed all that. Um, so when we were finally given the ability by our administration to go out of state and practice in Tucson, uh, I think the second week of January, we, we hustled over there, we got a few practices in, and we just had to make the team understand that there were gonna be a lot of hurdles in our play, in our way, and uh, it was just important that we try not to think about it, that we just go out and compete, uh, make good use of our practice time, take care of our, ourselves, and do the diligence with the COVID protocols and everything. And I give my team a lot of credit for sacrificing a lot in order to try and make this happen. But, you know, they wanted to compete and uh, they've been given that opportunity. So it was frustrating and it was hard, but we're also grateful at the same time. Coach, for you, what was the hardest part about this season? Oh gosh, Rachel, I, there's a few things, you know, we, Juliana Salanoa, who's the first team all whack performer and a senior this year, uh, didn't get to play uh, because of, uh, of COVID. She would have played in the fall, but her nursing school restrictions and the state quarantine rules and everything have stolen her senior year from her and, and her from us. And uh, that's very difficult when you see a player lose their senior year. Um, having to not practice at home for the longest time, having to go on the road, be away from family. Uh, we went back and forth a little bit, just not knowing what was coming next. You know, there's no structure. It was just sort of let's wing it, try and find a gym and go do the best we can. Um, not being able to play home matches in front of our home fans. Um, 
you know, we played nothing but neutral site games until the last two matches of the season uh, here. We were finally able to play in the Pan Am, but without fans. So it's not the same, obviously. I think all those things, you know, are real difficult. And um, I know our, our student athletes, you know, when, they, when they're given the opportunity to compete, they're excited to compete. Um, but at the same time, they've had to sacrifice and, uh, like I said, jump a lot of hurdles that are not usually there. Coach, you mentioned you're kind of nomads for most of the season. You played in Tucson, you played in El Paso, got to finish up there in Las Cruces. Potentially, does that help your team, though, in terms of getting ready for a tournament and potentially, you know, further on? Maybe. Um, I don't know. The, you know, we've never done it before. I, I don't know the, the answer to that question for sure. I know that it's been tiring, and that's what I worried about the most. Like I mentioned before, you know, we weren't even allowed to do any strength and conditioning in the latter part of last year. And um, so I'm, you know, I'm curious uh, how it's taken a toll on us. You can tell we were kind of struggling a little bit the last couple of weeks. We're tired, so we've taken some time off and just rested. Um, that's the downside of it. The, the positive might be that, yeah, we are accustomed to playing on the road and it's really not that big a deal to us. Just, you know, we go, I, I jokingly said a couple of times in different interviews, if they put the net out on concrete somewhere, we'd go out and play there too, you know? So what, let's just go, uh, go do what we got to do. Play no matter what. Uh, Coach, I nearly perfect record. I feel like I'm going to be a Debbie Downer kind of when I ask this question, but a nearly perfect record, only one loss. What went wrong in that match? We went high air. Uh, you know, you give Utah Valley credit for doing some good things. Obviously they, they, they did a lot of good things that match. I don't, uh, you know, when you look back at it, it's just pretty easy when you look at the numbers to see that, uh, we served and, and attacked and, and too many of the walls out went out of bounds. Um, uh, I think their, uh, their defensive effort was really good. Um, they did a good job of, of making us work for our points and, as the rallies got extended, we just had one of those nights where uh, we couldn't hit the ball in bounds well enough and made some critical mistakes. And uh, it happens every once in a while, you know, unfortunately, but uh, we got past it and turned it around the next day and won. So um, I hope we learned from it, you know, a little bit. And I think it was good for us in a sense too. Coach, when you have a, a long win streak like that, I think it had been since 2018, since you had lost a, a whack match and, and he did drop that one against Utah Valley. Sometimes you talk to coaches who are on those long win streaks, and sometimes having that loss prior to the tournament sometimes helps refocus the team. Did you see after that, uh, did the team respond? Yeah, you know, I was not happy with the way we responded during that match in particular. I thought we didn't handle the stress very well. It had been a long time since our backs were against the wall, like you mentioned, and um, I think that was the one thing more than anything that was like, you know, mentally – when it's not going well or you're not playing well individually, you have to be a good team person. Uh, I use a soup can analogy all the time. You know, when you go shopping, you you buy your soup cans and you put them in the, the grocery bag and you put them in the back of your car. And if it tips over and the soup cans are rolling around the back seat, uh, it's pretty annoying and it's distracting. And uh, I think that's important for our players to understand that you know, regardless of how they're playing individually, if they're struggling, they can't be a soup can. You can't be a distraction. Um, and I, I think we learned from it, but time will tell. 
You'll play the winner of Chicago State versus UTRGV come Friday afternoon. What can fans expect from the Aggies in this tournament? Well, you know, I hope we do a lot of the things we've been doing, Rachel. I think we, we uh, you know, we defend hard. We give ourselves transition opportunities, and we've got a lot of point scores. And if we're aggressive and competing well, um, you know, we're fun to watch. And I think that's uh, that's when we're at our best is when we're in that transition game and uh, just kind of bringing it at teams. Um, I hope we don't get passive or tentative or worry about making mistakes. You just want to go out there and trust uh, your teammates, trust yourself, and go make go make plays. Coach, I think I might have some soup cans in my car. Something <laughs> keeps rolling under the seat, and I can never figure out what it is and makes all kinds yeah. of noise when I'm driving. But, uh, Coach, as far as you mentioned earlier on, uh, Juliana Salanoa was not able to play this year, and obviously she would have been a big part of the team. Yeah. And in retrospect, though, you also had some freshmen step up this year. Did you anticipate that your your freshmen would have the impact they would have this year? Well, we were hopeful, you know, we, with the graduation of uh, Annie Acosta at Libero, we, you know, we were uncertain who that would be coming into the season. Um, Darian Markham is, has done a good job there. She's a really good athlete. She's still got a ton of room for improvement, which is exciting. Um, but she's done a good job. She's had a great freshman year. And then obviously Victoria Barrett uh, on the outside, Kat Kelly's been dealing with hamstring and, rib injuries and hasn't really been available to us much at all this year. And Victoria stepped in and, and uh, has done a great job offensively. Um, I think she's handled herself for the most part in the stressful situations pretty well. You know, freshmen are freshmen. They have their good moments and their bad, but uh, they've both brought some athletic ability to us and, and had very good freshman years. And then there's been some, some other players that, young ones that really haven't gotten much notoriety at all. They're role players, but they're important. You know, you get, you pull a libero off the bench at, at uh, 22 all or 23 all to come in and be a serving sub. And we've had a few of those players that have done that for us as well. And uh, I'm really proud of them. I think they've, uh, they've handled themselves pretty well throughout the, the course of the season in very stressful times. I mean, it's not, it's not a lot of fun right now. You know, there's no, there's no college football or basketball games to go to on campus. You're, you're sitting in your dorm room a ton and uh, you're not even in classes interacting with people. And so it's pretty monotonous and I think they've handled themselves well. For you, what are you able to do to help them try and adjust to this life in this season? We just keep talking to them, Rachel. It's difficult. Um, there hasn't been a lot we've been able to do, obviously, you know, we try and, uh, we try and get together with them and just have conversations and say, keep your head up. It'll change. You know, it'll get back to, uh, there'll be some normalcy again. Eventually you'll get to do those fun things that the college students like to do and you'll get to meet more people. And, uh, but until that happens, you know, we just got to keep going along on our monotonous days and making the best of them. And, uh, you know, when you've got a lot of players like we do on our roster, I think that helps a little bit because you've got a lot of different people you can interact with. Um, you know, if it were the same 12 or 15 people all the time, eh, but we've got like 22 on our roster. So you can branch out a little bit and, and uh, go hang out with some different people once in a while. Well, coach, congratulations on another uh, WAC championship in the regular season this year. I'll be in Orem here in a few days to, to see you. And uh, Rachel will be watching us on ESPN plus. 
Great. Look forward to seeing you guys. All right. That is Mike Jordan, head volleyball coach at New Mexico State, joining us on the WAX podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody. Make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And check out our website at waxsports.com.